this is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and patience is a virtue in episode number 131. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hey y'all, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com and I am literally bouncing on a birth ball here with baby Phoenix while we bring you the next episode of the podcast. Today we are going to continue the VBAC series and we're actually going to work on wrapping up the VBAC series today because it's a lot. I've talked a lot about it. I hope that what I've talked about has been valuable to you. I'm going to talk about a couple more points that I think are really, really important, and then we're going to wrap things up. I'm hoping that this episode won't be quite so long as the others as we wrap things up, but I tend to be long-winded, so they might end up being that long. I want to remind you again, as I've discussed throughout this entire series, that if you would like more information on preparing for a VBAC, preparing for a natural birth, If you would like that personal support, somebody to ask questions, somebody to do research for you, somebody to give you guidance, somebody just to listen and give ideas, then you can check out my Mama Baby Birthing course. It's a self-paced online childbirth course, and it also comes with a weekly personal support call. You can go through the entire class at your own pace with what fits you, including the VBAC module. But you can also come and get my input if there's something that confuses you, if there's something that you're not sure about. You can come to the weekly support call and you can ask me about it. Or if there's something going on unique to your situation, or if you have fears or concerns or anxieties that just don't go away, or if you have a question every single week about something or another, you can come to the support call. Many moms go through the course and never come to the call, but one of the things that I've noticed is that when I have students who come and ask questions or even who ask a question every week, they often end up having a great birth experience, which I know helps them and benefits them, and it blesses me so much because it lets me know that what I'm doing is really making a difference. I'm willing to be there for you too, to be your listening ear, to be your sounding board, and to be there to be your advocate to help you as you prepare for your baby's birth. You can check out more about that at mamababybirthing.com. That's M-A-M-A, babybirthing.com. With that, let's go ahead and jump in to the next thing to think about when you're preparing for your VBAC. That is, this may seem like a revolutionary strategy. I think it, when I first started framing my thoughts in this way and realizing that this was possible, it seemed revolutionary to me too. But when you think about it, it's really quite simple, but it's very, very, very powerful. So that is wait before you give consent. In fact, both of the things that we're going to cover this week involve patience and waiting, which is why I introduced the podcast the way that I did. It is usually almost always safe to wait. And you have the right to make informed decisions. So what does all that mean? That means that oftentimes when you're in a situation, and this is even valuable for those of you moms who are going into a first birth, and there's something going on, and all of a sudden the care provider is talking about, okay, this is happening, that's happening, we need to do a cesarean. It's, it's safe, usually safe, to say, let's wait. 
there are some times when a true emergency cesarean needs to occur where you need to get mom onto the table and you need to get the baby out. But that's really not the majority of most cesarean sections that are done, certainly not in the United States or in other countries that have a really high cesarean rate. Most cesareans are more leisurely maneuvers. So if they say, okay, you need to have a cesarean, and then it's going to be a half an hour or more before you're in the operating theater and the baby's coming out, then that's not really an emergency cesarean. And you can wait. Most interventions, this is really across the board, not just talking about a cesarean, but most other interventions, if mom and baby are stable and doing well, it's safe to wait. Now, there are many other things that go along with stable and doing well. For example, I would say if mom has been nourished, I don't really understand how they can expect any mom to give birth under the conditions with which many women are placed today. For example, we know that, you know, an average labor for a first-time mom is going to be 12, 24 hours, if, especially if you count that latent phase, that early phase of labor. A lot of women get super excited and they forget to eat. So if you're coming on 12, 24 hours with no food, where's your energy coming from? Where's the energy that your uterus is pulling? Remember, the uterus is a large muscle. It needs energy. I mean, in all honesty, even a Mountain Dew is better than nothing. Let's get some sugar into that muscle so that it's got the energy to do what it needs to do. So when I say that mom and baby are healthy and doing well, it means more than perhaps just the face value. So mom needs to be able to have some nourishment. And that's, you know, that's, I think that's your right. I honestly believe that food and drink and labor are, are a human right. So you should be well nourished and also have the opportunity to not be harassed so that you can get the rest that you need and that sort of thing. But when you are at a place where you're able to rest where you're able to to make sure that you're eating and drinking to keep up your energy and you and your baby's vital signs are good then it's generally safe to wait you can say okay what are the benefits of this what are the pros what are the cons what happens if we wait See, a lot of times interventions are done, and those interventions are the things that are going to cause problems. Those interventions, for example, augmenting labor with Pitocin to try and quote-unquote speed it up. Maybe every once in a great while that really is what's needed, but often it's not, especially in a hospital situation where a mom has been stuck on her back with monitors in the bed and she and the baby aren't really able to move around and do things. And then they want to try and give Pitocin to overcome the artificial inertia that they've created where the baby can't really move and the baby can't really do what he or she needs to do to make things happen the way that they're supposed to happen in, in this mom's labor. So again, when we look at the situation, look at what is being proposed, what, inf what intervention is being proposed why is this intervention being proposed? Is this intervention being proposed to overcome something that was created by what you've already done to me? So have you had me stuck in bed 
unable to really move so that my baby isn't really able to turn and come down. And you're proposing Pitocin to try and overcome that. Or am I not really in labor, but you've had me up doing all kinds of maneuvers and histrionics to try and get the baby down, yet I'm not even six centimeters yet. My contraction pattern isn't an active labor contraction pattern. And so you're trying to propose giving me Pitocin or even a cesarean section for failure to progress when I'm not really even in active labor yet. These are the kinds of questions that you can ask. And often the solution when you realize, okay, they're proposing these things because they're impatient or because they want to try and overcome a problem that they caused, the solution is often to wait. So what happens if we don't have that procedure done? What happens if we don't have that intervention? What happens if we choose to do something different. So labor is active, it's well established, but there hasn't been change for a while. What if instead of consenting to Pitocin, which a VBAC mom may not want to have anyways, so what if instead of consenting to Pitocin, we decide to get up and walk, we decide to change positions, we decide to sit on a birth ball or to stand on a counter or to sit on the toilet. Those are all different options that may come from your toolkit. And so you don't necessarily have to consent right away. There may be times when a mom wants to consent because she's exhausted and has truly reached the end of her rope. But I would encourage you to think critically, and this is where it's really good to understand all the different interventions, to understand the hormonal flow of labor, to just, and if you go back and listen to last week's episode, we talked a lot about this, and I also linked to resources that can help you understand this. This is also the sort of thing that I really cover in a lot of depth in Mama Baby Birthing. When you really understand these interventions and the whys behind them, or I should say often the rationales behind them, when you really understand the physiology of labor, when you really understand your body and, and your baby and how they work together during labor, you can make informed decisions that help keep your birthing time moving and you can decline interventions that may actually cause problems later on. But a big thing to remember is that you have the power to say wait in almost all circumstances. Why rush into things? Why jump into conclusions? Why jump into interventions? Ask and say, wait, what happens if we wait to do that? Or what happens, for example, fetal monitoring? If we listen for just a little bit and then you let me be up and active? The answer is probably going to be nothing. Nothing. Nothing bad will happen, this, that, and the other. So it's just wait. Ask, does it have to be done right now? And then the final tip for preparing for VBAC, and this is, again, so many of these things are so really universal to birth, but when you're thinking about a VBAC, it's really important to go over them, and I believe it's really important to understand how how knowing these things, how going through these steps, how listening to me talk about this, how exploring your options, understanding your rights as a birthing woman. All of these things are things that will be at the top of your mind and come to your mind 
as you work through advocating for yourself for a VBAC because that's probably the biggest thing there is to it. Yes, your body needs to do the work. But in order for your body to do the work, everything else has to kind of get out of the way. So there needs to be this there needs to be this advocating for yourself. And these things need to be at the forefront of your mind so that you know that Okay, even though having a VBAC isn't necessarily the standard choice for women, many women, once they have a cesarean, they always have a cesarean. So I'm, you know, I'm swimming upstream. I'm, I'm going against the flow. I'm choosing something that's outside of the norm. So having all this in your mind about being patient, about being really healthy, understanding baby positioning, understanding the hormonal flow of labor, the physiology of labor, all of those things and having those in your mind give you a much greater chance at having the VBAC that you want. And if it does end up that you need another cesarean for whatever reason, sometimes that does happen, you know that I went through and I did the preparation, that I did the advocacy that I needed to do to give myself and my baby the best chance. And there's also a great chance that you've had a trial of labor, which we know in and of itself that from a from the perspective of being good for the baby, a trial of labor, a baby whose mom has gone into labor before a cesarean tends to do better. So a trial of labor is a good experience for the baby. And I firmly believe that many moms who are dedicated and who do their research, who do their preparation, are going to end up with a good VBAC. Now, I do think there are moms who are going to be dedicated and prepared, and for whatever reason, they may ultimately end up with another cesarean, which doesn't say anything at all about your level of dedication. Sometimes that's just the way things work out for whatever reason. But again, I feel like it's... You have a greater chance of achieving the birth that you want if you're prepared than you do if you don't prepare for that birth. So, and that's true again, moms. This is so true regardless of if you're planning a VBAC or if you're just planning a natural birth. Preparation is really the key. And it doesn't have to be a big all-consuming thing, but... It does take some time, just like this has been a four-part series just to talk about preparing for VBACs. And it has taken some time to get through all of this information. So it's not necessarily all-consuming. This is going to end up being, what, a, a two-hour you know, two series, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less, on VBAC preparation. And then there's other things I've referred you to, other things to read, other things to study. Uh, the Mama Baby Birthing Course, for example, is a six-week course. And so it's not all-consuming, but it does take some time, and it takes some preparation, and it takes a little bit more than saying, oh, I just hope that this happens. So I, what I would encourage you to do is be proactive about this. And if you're planning a VBAC or if you're planning a natural birth, be proactive about the experience that you want to have. Get the head knowledge. Get the body knowledge. A lot of that's what we talked about last week was the body knowledge. So have that head knowledge, have that body knowledge, uh, do that work within yourself to, to let go of fears and anxieties and believe in yourself. It's time well spent and it is time that will greatly increase your chances of having the birth that you want. With that, 
sorry that was a little bit of a tangent let's move into being patient which continues the theme for this episode be patient labor and birth take time it takes time for your birthing time to begin on its own it takes time to progress through your labor and pushing often takes time so some points to think about with that are one stay home Stay home for as long as possible. I would not let an OB pressure you into coming in or a midwife pressure you into coming in or your midwives pressure you into coming over too soon. Just stay home. Stay safe. Stay in a place that's comfortable for you. Now, I will share that early in my second labor, I went window shopping with a friend. You know, so if that feels good to you, you can do that, but... I'm not saying you have to stay in your house, but I believe that you don't want to rush off to the hospital or you don't want to rush your birth team there. You just, you kind of want to take it easy and let your body get going. Let that groove get started. Let that train get going. I like the analogy of a train because when we think about a train, it's just started chugging. The conductor can stop it relatively quickly. But as that train picks up speed and it gets going full speed, how hard is it for the conductor to stop? It takes a long time for a speeding train to stop. And so that's what we want to do for our birthing time is we want to let it get going. And we let the train pick up speed in a place, an environment that feels safe to us, that feels good to us. In early labor, that may be out window shopping. But as things get going more, it's probably going to be at home because you want to be somewhere where you feel safe. And and another benefit of being home is that you're able to work with things and, and start to get a feeling for what does this feel like? How do I experience these sensations? What can I do to handle these sensations? You're able to work all of that out in a safe space without feeling watched. Maybe you have your husband there, your birth partner there. Maybe you have a doula there. But you you don't have an entire medical team or you don't have your entire midwife team there. You're just kind of there. And I'll share, uh, after assisting at births for a year and a half now, one of the things that, that I've noticed that we do is we often get there, we get set up, we make sure mom's good, and then we kind of back off and we let her do her thing. Even if uh, if we're doing what we call labor sitting, which is where we're just sitting with the mom, often we're just holding space. It's just quiet presence there while she does the work and while she figures things out. Sometimes the mom feels really overwhelmed and she very much wants that hands-on right there beside her, helping her through it. And we're there to do that if that's what she needs. But most of the time, moms need to figure out birthing on their own. And so this weight and this patience... It gives you the ability to figure out birthing on your own and to do what you need to do to bring this baby into the world without all of the, you know, without all the procedures and protocols and pokes and prods and eyeballs on you and everything. So wait to go in until your labor pattern is well established. And then take one moment at a time. This is from the beginning to the end. Labor may take a while. It may take a while for your baby to move down through your bones, for your baby to rotate and do what he or she needs to do. But in the scope of your life or your baby's life, it's it's not really all that long. And you can live into the experience. It's just, 
it's something that's going to it's going to come and going to go. I can share with you that you know, I've had a lot of babies. I've had eight babies at this point. And I I think birthing is a beautiful thing and I've come to a place where I'm ready for it, but but most of the time it, it hasn't been on I can't wait to do this kind of feeling. It has been more of I know that I need to go into this and go through this. I'm ready for this to come. This is the way that it has to be and I'm ready to do this. It's more of a resolve than an anticipation, so to speak. I anticipate meeting my baby and I look forward to that. But going into my birthing time, there's more of a resolve and there's more of a that I'm willing to step into that power and I have resolved to do that, but I know that it's going to be an intense experience. I know that. And so that it's, and it's something that I respect for taking the amount of time that it needs to take. So think about that. It, it's not necessarily going to be something super pleasurable. Now, I do think that it's super empowering when you come out on the other side of it. Sometimes there are moments where it's super empowering in the middle of it. Really, that happens. But a lot of times it's just intense. It's just, it's just work. It's working with your baby. It's just getting down to it and doing this work, which I believe is a special and a sacred work. But that doesn't necessarily make it a walk in the park or a picnic. It may be tough. And so be ready for it. But know that as tough as it is in the moment, as intense as it may feel, when you come on the other side of it, you and, and your baby are commencing an incredible journey together that will last much, much longer. So your laboring and your birthing time are just, they're a very small, small part of the story that you and this baby will write together. But they're an important part. But feel patient during that time and know that this too will pass. It will pass. And that you can be patient through it. You can be patient as you need to move and change positions to open. You can be patient as your baby needs you to change positions and open. And it may take longer than the quote-unquote expert says it should take. But again, as long as you and baby are doing well and you're stable, then there's really no harm in continuing the dance, continuing to move on, continuing to move forward, and letting you and your baby, your body and your baby, do this in the time that they need to do it. And this is often the place where you just, where you let go and you say, you know, I'm ready to let this come on. And you, you set that analytical side of yourself aside. And you just focus on the sensations, on the opening, on your coming baby on softening, releasing, whatever it is that you decided works for you, and just letting your baby come down and come through you and up into your arms. Those moments are so powerful, and they're so timeless. I, I sit here with Phoenix. He's sleeping on me. He's eight weeks old now, and... It's just incredible to me still to think back to his birth, to think back to my other kids' births and think about those moments. I think about as he started coming down, 
and his head was born, and there was just this timeless moment, just waiting, waiting, waiting. It felt eternal to me, and I can remember telling myself, he will come. He will come. You can go back and listen to the podcast with his birth story if you're interested in hearing more about that. And then I felt his body turn. I felt it inside of me. It was incredible. And then out he came. And then there he was in front of me, ready for me to pick up. It was just amazing. So it it, it was timeless in one way. But in another way, it was over in a split second. And I know from looking at the records that my midwives took as they watched that it was really only a moment between his head being born and his body. It felt so timeless for me. So in a way, birth is timeless. There, There is a piece of eternity in birth, and that's one of the things I think that makes it so awesome. And when I say awesome, you know, you just think about it, inspiring, awesome. It, it puts us in awe. We stand here kind of, uh, you know humble by the power of birth but it is a power that that comes it flows through us it is part of us it brings our babies to us and then it passes as the adventure with our babies begins so be patient gentle mama and know that that power is roaring through you and in the moment it feels intense and all-consuming but it does pass and it leaves you on the other side with a beautiful baby and with an incredibly powerful start to your mothering journey. And so I'd encourage you to settle and wait. Wait with patience. Wait with joy. Know you can say, I want to wait. That you can dance with your baby. That you can work with your baby. And that you can give your body and your baby this time to have that power rush through the both of you. To roar into life with you and your baby together. Okay, mamas and daddies, that's it for this week. We will be back next week with uh, a topic that I am kind of feeling passionate about right now, but might be a little bit controversial. So I'll look forward to chatting with you about that next week. In the meantime, again, check out mamababybirthing.com, M-A-M-A, babybirthing.com, self-paced online childbirth course, weekly support call just for you one of the highlights of my week. I can't wait to see you on that call. And in the meantime, I will talk to you on the podcast next week. Have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.